For the past several weeks, I've been preaching a series of sermons about love, not the sort of pop, romancy, frequently silly kind of love that we hear in so many songs these days. We've been talking about what real, deep, abiding love is, the love that comes from God, who Scripture tells us is himself love. Last week, I talked some about the fact that Jesus commanded us to love one another, a theme that's strongly picked up by the Apostle Paul in his instructions in 1 Corinthians 13. Even though, as I pointed out last week, many people do not see the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, as a set of instructions. But it clearly is when you look at it. Paul describes love as being patient, kind, not boastful, not proud not easily angered. He is describing something that does not happen accidentally or coincidentally. In the same way that Jesus tells us, commands us to love one another, this is something we choose to do. We choose to act in a way that shows real love. That's the difference between the world's understanding of emotional love and the love that we are presented with in Jesus in Scripture. This is why Jesus says in 1 John 13, 34, A new command I give you, love one another. A command. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So real love, the kind of love that Jesus commands of us, is a matter of choice. We are choosing to love and to act in a loving way. This is relatively easy if we are dealing with someone that we love anyway, or that we like anyway, someone that we have affection for already, we are much more likely to be patient and not envious and not jealous and all the rest of it. But how do we show this kind of love, the love that Jesus commands us and that Paul talks about? How do we show that kind of love to people that we don't like, people who are difficult or mean or offensive, or who do terrible things. And if you've never met people who are offensive or mean or do terrible things, then God bless you. (laughs) Because we are told we are supposed to love those people as well. Not just the ones who are like us or that we like, but all people are to be loved. Here in this church, we often quote Matthew 25 as a mandate for our outreach ministries. When Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me, thirsty and you gave me drink, and so on. And we especially emphasize the end of Jesus' comments there in Matthew 25 when he says, For as much as you've done for the least of these, you have done it for me. We usually, and not inappropriately, but we usually take the least of these as meaning the poor. Those who are hungry, the prisoner, the stranger, the sick, those who can't meet their own needs. And that's why we are called to help meet those needs. But I think we need to understand that when Jesus says the least of these, he doesn't just mean the poor. I think he is also including the least pleasant, the least friendly, those who are least like us. A teacher of mine once said in a Bible study, Imagine the person that you like least in the whole world, the one that rankles you, that makes your skin crawl. Imagine that that most obnoxious of all overbearing, tedious people walks into the room where you are and you look up and see that person. What you feel at that moment, your feelings toward that least person, is how much you love Jesus. 
As much as you did for or felt for or loved the least of these, you have done it for me. It's a little scary, isn't it? Our scripture for today, Matthew 5, 43 to 48, addresses this very issue. It says, Jesus speaking here, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect in how we deal with those who are unlovely, unlovable, difficult. But how do we do that? The title of today's sermon is, This is Hard. Because it is. It's very hard. Sometimes it's hard enough to act in a loving manner toward people that we love or like. How do we deal with those who we simply have difficulty putting up with? How do we love the unlovely? Well, I want to give you four suggestions today as ways we can do that. It is hard, and it will always be hard, and we will never be perfect at it. Jesus, when he says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect in dealing with the righteous and the unrighteous, he is giving us a target to shoot at with no expectation that we truly are going to be as perfect as God in heaven. But we can do better. And I want to give you four suggestions. The first suggestion I would make to you in terms of how to deal in a loving manner with people, and this is both those that you, you know, that are friends and family and those who you don't care for at all. The first suggestion is... Be forgetful. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. To forget the the bad that has come before, the offenses that have come before. Story I've told before, it's one of my favorites about Corrie Ten Boom. Corrie Ten Boom, you may remember, is the Dutch woman. She and her family were actively hiding Jewish people in the Second World War. Uh, She and her family were arrested, put in concentration camp by the Nazis. Most of her family died in the camps. She survived and became a great spokesperson for the Christian faith later. When she was later on in her years, her secretary mentioned a woman's name and said, Corey, do you remember that terrible thing that she did to you? And Corey said, no, I don't remember that. And her secretary said, what do you mean you don't remember that? It was horrible. She betrayed you terribly. It was one of the most difficult times in your whole life. How could you not remember this terrible thing this person did to you? And Corey Tinboom said, no, I don't remember that. In fact, I distinctly remember having forgotten it. Corey Tinboom had the wisdom and the love to be forgetful. If you can forget the past, you can start every interaction fresh with no old baggage. The person who has offended you or that you have difficulty with, if every meeting you have with them is a fresh meeting and you forget the past, then you can be as gracious and loving toward them 
as those who are your most beloved. So that's the first idea. Be forgetful. Secondly, love for 30 minutes. Bob Goff, you all will remember who've been in the church for a while, that we used his first book, Love Does, as a study guide for some of our um, community groups. Well, he has a new book, which is called Everybody Always. And the whole theme of this book is that we are called upon to love everybody always. In that book, he talks about what we are called to do in a loving way as Christians. And he says in that book something I find very wise. He says that when he's interacting with someone that is hard to love, that is hard to be kind to, someone that's just very difficult, he does not think in terms of how can I be a permanently loving person to this, to, to this person? How can, I be, how can I represent Jesus' love in all my interactions with him from now on? Instead, he thinks to himself, I need to show the love of Jesus to this person for the next 30 minutes. You can do anything for 30 minutes. And at the end of 30 minutes, if that person is still there, then Bob Goff suggests you say, okay, I need to love this person for the next 30 minutes. And before you know it, you're showing the love of Jesus is present in that person's life. And who knows what difference that could make for them. When we can show love for 30 minutes, and then 30 more, and then 30 more, we will achieve what God desires for us in showing love even to our enemies. This is wise and it's also biblical. When I was in high school, I was a junior counselor at the Children's Bible Mission in Tennessee. And uh, I'd become a Christian in high school and friends of mine and I from our church would go there and be junior counselors. And because we were high school students, every day, every one of us in our group prayer time, we would pray that God would show us His will for the rest of our lives. God, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life as a high school student? But finally, a very wise visiting minister pointed out to us that God never promised to tell us his will for the whole of our lives. He didn't when we were in high school, and he still doesn't now. What God promised, as reflected in the Lord's Prayer that we prayed just a few minutes ago, is give us this day our daily bread. Not enough bread for the rest of our lives. Jesus says, worry about today. Tomorrow has enough worries for itself. I think that it's very wise to say, allow me to love this person right here, right now, for just for 30 minutes. And then for 30 minutes more. And then for 30 minutes more. Not make me a loving person of them for the rest of my life, for the rest of their lives. Part of our faith is to live for Jesus and to express his love one day at a time without worry or fear for what's going to happen in the future. Similarly, God, uh, Jesus does not expect us to love everyone at all times forever, but he does expect us to love them right now. The person who is in front of you right now. Some of the most admirable people I've ever known Johnny Erickson Tata, who I worked with for several years, and I count as a friend. Johnny, if you know who Johnny Tata is, Johnny Erickson Tata, she broke her neck when she was 16 and has had a very rich ministry um, since then. 
Johnny has this unbelievable skill that whoever is in front of her at that moment is the entire focus of her universe. Whether it's a a government official or a 12-year-old girl who has come to visit her because she's a hero of hers. I remember one time I'd been working with Johnny on writing some things and this 12-year-old girl came in who was just a big fan, had read all of her books and everything else, and Johnny is talking to this young girl and is focused entirely on her and asking questions and everything. Johnny's assistant, Judy Butler, comes to the door. At that time, Johnny was on President Reagan's uh, commission for the Americans with Disabilities Act to develop that. So Johnny comes and knocks on the door and says, or uh, Judy, and knocks on the door and says, Johnny, President Reagan's on the phone for you. And Johnny's focused on this 12-year-old, and she says, well, tell him I'll have to call him back later. Judy says, Johnny, the President of the United States is waiting for you on the phone. I think you should take the call. And her response was, oh, well, I'm very sorry. You know, just wait. The ability to focus all of who you are on that person who's in front of you right then, to love them for the 30 minutes or 20 minutes or 10 minutes or hour, 30 minutes at a time, would be a great victory. So the third suggestion I would make is love people through gritted teeth if necessary. Jesus tells us to love our enemies and to pray for them. Well, I will confess that some of the people that I feel most like my enemies are drivers here in Mexico. (laughs) When I'm driving and somebody pulls a Cirque du Soleil quality, you know, maneuver in front of me, my first reaction is, yeah, dirty regaflex, you know, philoramic, peg all over. But I have discovered that if I will do what I'm told, and that is pray for that person, often I start praying through gritted teeth. Lord, please keep that person safe and get them where they're going. And I discover that after the first sentence or two, my teeth aren't gritted anymore. Now, don't pray that, you know, they not be so stupid and that they learn a lesson. You know, that's not the point. Pray for them. And if you will be willing to just start praying, even if it's through gritted teeth, I believe the Holy Spirit will loosen your jaw and you will find yourself much more compassionate toward them. We are told to pray for them. If we will start even with frustration, I believe the Holy Spirit changes our heart. And we can pray for their safety, for their well-being, even if they've done something very questionable. And that's true even if it's not drivers, even if it's someone else that you meet. Jesus said, pray for our enemies. He did not say we always have to feel like praying for our enemies. This is the, this is the world's mistake, as they believe love is an emotional thing, that you have to have this bubbling, kind of sparkling, kind of, you know. C.S. Lewis once said that, that that's being in love, and nobody can survive that for very long. And so what God allows us is we get over being in love, this old rockets and flares kind of thing, and God teaches us how then to love. So pray for your enemies, even if you don't start out feeling like it, and you will find the Holy Spirit will give you more compassion for them. And finally, and I think perhaps most of all, be grateful. Grateful for everything God has given you. If you 
focus your life on being grateful for all God has given you and done for you, you will find it very difficult to not be more loving to everyone else. G.K. Chesterton once said, gratefulness should be the natural state of all Christians. He also once said, you know, people give thanks for food and new shoes. And he said, and I give thanks for those things, but I give thanks for the red post box and for a yellow flower and for the beauty of the clouds and the, everything around him he found reason to give thanks for. I believe the reason that many of us cannot and do not show love to others is we have lost sight of just how much love has been shown to us. We have forgotten what it means to be grateful for all of the many blessings we've received. If we can regain that gratitude, that thankfulness, I believe we are much better equipped to show love toward other people. So those four suggestions I would make for you, especially if you're dealing with people who are difficult. One, be forgetful. Keep no record of wrongs. Secondly, love someone for 30 minutes. And then 30 more minutes. And then 30 more. Do not expect yourself to be able to love for eternity. We're not that good. Third, love even when you don't feel like it. Pray through gritted teeth if you must, and the Spirit will change your heart. And fourth, be grateful. It is so much easier to love others when we realize, remember, and are thankful for how much we have been loved. I hope these will be helpful to you. Amen. God has been so very generous and gracious to us. We now have an opportunity to do a very small thing, to say thanks to God, to show our gratitude for all of his blessings by giving back a small part of his gifts to us, to his work through this church. Most of you know all of the things that our church is doing, the number of people we are feeding, that we are clothing, that we are providing community centers and clean water and cooking facilities and food. Last count, I think we were between two locations, we're feeding about 160 kids, 150 kids uh, every day, five days a week now. So you give to help make that possible. In effect, you give to help this church show the love of Jesus that we've been talking about. So as you consider giving, let us pray. Blessed are you, God of all creation. It is through your goodness and your generosity that we have these gifts to share. Accept and use our offerings for your glory and for the service of your kingdom. Blessed be God, now and forever. Amen.